Welcome, everybody. It's so brilliant to be online with you. Great to do this time together. So hello to everybody watching now or watching later. And this morning we are kicking off a new series, which is called Interrupt. And I want to share with you this quote, which is from a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's from this book here, if you could see it. He's an amazing German pastor and theologian from the time of the Second World War. And he said this, he said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and cancelling our plans. And we want to look into this in this series because it's so topical. I don't know about you, but I had plans for this month. I had places I thought I would be, things I thought I would be doing, and that's totally changed. And we're asking in this series, how does God sometimes interrupt us in our plans? How does he speak into our lives, change our direction, grab our attention? And we're not saying that in this moment, God has caused this to happen. But even now in the midst of chaos and so much that's going on that feels like it's so far from God, are there things that God wants to speak over your life and your situation, but also through you into other people's lives, into the world around us? How do we bring all the things of God that's good and light in this difficult time? And I want to start off this morning looking at one of my favorite New Testament stories, which looks at a key moment for two people who, like us, have been hit by an event that shook their whole world, that changed everything. And they were actually on the brink of something new and amazing that God was doing, but they didn't know it yet. They felt like everything was lost and they came so close to missing what God was doing. Because they were caught up in the shock and stress of the moment, they nearly missed the amazing thing that God was calling them and the opportunity to be a part of it. And it's a story from Luke 24, and it happens a few days after Jesus has died. And in fact, this is the same day Luke tells us that two of the women in the group of the disciples had gone to the tomb to tend to Jesus' body. And they'd found to their shock that the stone was rolled away. The body was gone. And instead, there were angels there who told them Jesus had risen from the dead. And they rushed back to tell the disciples this. But it's clear it's just everyone's totally bewildered by what they're saying. In fact, Luke tells us in chapter 24 that the disciples thought what the women were saying was nonsense. Like, how is this even possible? And later the same day, we find two of the disciples setting off on a journey to this place called Emmaus, which is outside Jerusalem. So in the midst of all the mayhem and the madness and the unexpected, these two guys have made a decision. They are going back They're going back to what they knew before. They're going back home. They're going back to normal life. And it's interesting, isn't it? In all the debate we're hearing right now about when will this end? Will it end? How will it end? We're talking about what do we go back to? Will we go back to something new? Or will we just go back to our old normal as we try and catch on to the last thing that we knew before everything went crazy? These two guys have made their mind to do that. They're going back. But they're clearly unsettled by everything that's happened. You know, the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, it's about seven miles and they're walking. So they've got a bit of time. And Luke tells us that while they're walking, they're chatting. But more than that, they are discussing, they're debating, they're drilling down everything that's happened. They are still desperately trying to process it, understand it. 
And in the midst of that, something amazing happens because another guy joins them on their journey and comes and walks along beside them. And Luke tells us this is actually Jesus himself. And they tell him everything that's happened. There's this wonderful line where they literally say, like, are you the only one who doesn't know this? They're like, seriously, can't believe this man doesn't know. So they tell him. But poignantly, they don't recognize him. Something stops them from recognizing God in their midst. And, you know, different translations interpret the words that Luke uses to explain their lack of recognition slightly differently. But the most direct translation and my take on it would be that literally they're prevented just because their mind's eye. Most translations say their eyes, but the word actually really means their mind's eye, their perspective. Their ability to understand was so controlled, so saturated by everything that they'd just been through. They just couldn't process it. Their heads were ablaze in the middle of all the madness and they couldn't think clearly. And they couldn't recognize Jesus, even though he was right next to them. And this is so human. You know, when you're full of stress and emotion and frustration, like we so often are in this moment, the analytical thinking, rational part of your brain switches right down because your mind's on a kind of crisis setting. It's really hard to think clearly. And it's hard to feel God with you, even though he's right beside you. It doesn't mean he's not there. And we know this is hard for these guys. Verse 17 in Luke 24 says they're really miserable. And they tell the whole story in the past tense. It's clear in their minds. This is over. It's gone. It's dead and it's buried. Jesus is dead and buried. They're gutted. There's the poignancy of what they say in verse 21. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. All their hopes and dreams that they had based on this, everything they thought was coming, all the future they thought they had planned, it feels like it's gone. They're dealing with disappointment and disillusionment and despair as they try and understand where they're going now, like so many of us are in our situation. I wonder how many of us are saying or have said this week, we had hoped. We had hoped this week would look so different. I had hoped I would be doing this. I had hoped I'd be able to do that. Sometimes life is cruel and our plans are dashed and that's really tough. But how does Jesus get them through this? How does he grab their attention and help them? You know, God's grace in this moment is amazing because he comes alongside them and helps them to see not just that he's there, but the significance of the moment, a greater hope of the moment. And there's three things that he does that I want to talk to you about. And the first thing that he does is he explains what's going on. He takes the time to walk through it with them again. And, you know, if you're reading the New International Version, it's a bit harsh in verse 25. It says that Jesus says that they're foolish. Really, what he says to them is that they're, they're not thinking logically. And it's like when I'm homeschooling, like a lot of you are at the moment. And like last week, there were so many moments where I'm trying to homeschool Nathan. I'm trying to teach him well, fractions at the moment, actually. Um, and, and he just doesn't understand something. And, and it's not that he's being stupid. It's just that I need to explain it again. I need to give him a different perspective on what I'm trying to help him to see. I'm sharing something I see and I just need to help him to get into my perspective to understand. And that's what Jesus says they need. And that's what he does. He walks alongside them and he explains it all. 
And I love that he does this because understanding really does matter. You know, we're created as rational, analytical beings. We share that with the God who created us. People say that faith is blind, but that's not true. What Jesus is saying here is this does make sense and here's how. But it's interesting that explanation and head knowledge isn't enough. Because the second thing that Jesus does is he gives them an experience. He gives them a personal experience of him, with him, as he journeys alongside them. And he gives them the chance to have friendship with him. And ultimately, it's that that clicks for them. That's when they recognize it's later when they've invited him to come and and have dinner and hang out with them. And there's something about that moment when he breaks bread that they suddenly realize who he is. It's like it reminds them of all the times their old friend did this, their experience, their understanding of who Jesus is. And something clicks. And the word that Luke uses when he says that they suddenly knew who Jesus was, that word is a beautiful New Testament word, which means that we come to know and understand something, not because of head knowledge, but because we've had a personal experience of it. And that's what God does. He doesn't want to give you a faith that's just about head knowledge. He wants you to have a personal experience that transforms your life. But there's a third thing that happens in this story, which is so key to to this moment and to this series that we're going to be looking at. And it's a way that God grabs their attention that they actually miss in the moment. And it's about emotion or more specifically, a kind of emotional instinct. It's like something in their being reaching out that tells them something significant is going on. And they only realize it with hindsight. We see in verse 32 that they say, weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road? And that's really interesting to ponder in this moment, isn't it? The Greek word that that Luke uses here literally means that something lit up within them. It's a light bulb moment. Suddenly something catches in their spirit and it's a sign that there's a bigger context, something going on here of God, something special, something miraculous, something beyond our human understanding. But in that moment, their hearts were and their heads were so full, they missed it. And the grace of God is that he walked alongside and helped them to see it. But in this series, we want to ponder, how do we get better at recognizing those light bulb moments when God is doing something? How do we recognize when God longs to interrupt us and draw us into something amazing? Now, I've done some more in-depth teaching on this, a bit of a longer video. So if you're interested in this and you want to hear more, then after the service is over, do head over to our YouTube channel and you'll be able to pick this up and think more about how God interrupts us. What do those light bulb moments feel like? How can we get better at recognizing them? But for now, let's pause. Let's take a moment together and let's just pray. So you might want to close your eyes wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, whoever you're with, and just recognize the presence of God is with you in the midst of chaos and busyness. Maybe your mind has been full this week. Maybe you've had moments where you've struggled this week. I know I have. I think we've all had difficult weeks this week. But God is with you. He's with you in every moment, even if it's hard to perceive him. And he's with you right now. And I want to ask you right now in this moment, is God wanting to reach out to you? Maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a churchy person. You're joining us online and it's the first time you've connected with this sort of stuff. Is there something God wants to whisper to you in this moment? 
Or if you have a faith, is there something new that God wants to say to you in this time? But maybe if you've had a difficult week and you're finding this moment tough, God just wants to say to you, I'm here. And he wants to say, I'm walking with you. And he wants to offer friendship and comfort and love to you in this time. So, Father God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for everything you want to use it for. We thank you for every person who is with us in this moment and watching later at any time through this week. We thank you that each is unique, that you know them personally, that you love them deeply, that you're with them. We give you permission in this time to interrupt us, to draw us in, Lord God. May we be light to our communities, to the people and places we have contact with. But more than that, we thank you that you journey with us for the moments when you nudge us and remind us that you're there, for the light bulb moments that remind us of your presence. Lord God, we're grateful for the privilege of doing life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.